this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. You guys, welcome to episode 75 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McEady. How's it going? Good to hear it. It's always good to see your little face. Um, <laughs> you guys, t- last week I promised you camp and I promised you tackiness and here okay what i'm gonna need from you is for you to dig as deep as you can into the bottom of your purse unzip your dunian your dunian berg <laughs> dig as deep as you can and find the last remaining frosted lip gloss that you have from 1994 because i know you still got it and really really just frost those lips up i need you to tweeze your eyebrows until they are as thin as paper i want them basically to look like razor blades and um spray tan yourself to death like let's get some chunky highlights in that that fucking wig of yours and let's talk about carmen electra and dennis rodman like shall we take a journey back to 1998 when things were much simpler and our country was much more united and happy and all we had to focus on was uh dennis rodman's hair color for the week i mean like take me there i want to go there you guys i'm so beyond excited um, Carmen Electra is somebody who I don't talk about very often and I don't reference very often, but definitely had like a profound impact on my childhood. I have so many theories about her and so many things that I need to just purge and get off my chest. And I know that it might come as a surprise to you, but Dennis Rodman is, uh, you know, I liked Dennis Rodman a lot when I was little. Like he's one of the only, um, one of the only foosball star athletes that i've ever really really like stand and worshipped like i i was i was a dennis Rodman head when i was little i really loved him i know now that it's because i thought he was basically just like a big drag queen you know what i mean i loved like his flam like the flamboyance and uh i loved that he would dye his hair every week and um i love that he wore that wedding dress which we'll obviously talk about like i just liked his um the absurdity of dennis rodman and you know, Dennis Rodman isn't, like, a David Beckham in the sense that he was, like, profound um, for, like, male culture in any way. Like, there wasn't, like, an influx of men showing up to places in wedding dresses. But Dennis Rodman definitely was ahead of his time. I mean, like, you know, if an athlete showed up to some place now in drag, like, it would be so not a big deal in comparison to when he did it in the 90s and people were like is he a homosexual like the minute we saw that lace glove that lace glove cascade upon his arms we were like so he likes men then or no you know like our concept of sexuality back then was so different but yeah i loved dennis rodman i used to love the chicago bulls i know you're you're falling down i know sit down have somebody bring you a glass of water fan yourself open a window let the heat out i know it's you're you feel faint it's confusing. Everything that you know about me, it seems to be, um, it's, this is a, a betrayal. You thought you knew me, but you don't. Uh, your boy liked the Chicago Bill. 
I like the Chicago Bills, okay? Clearly. Um, I can't tell you anything about any, like, you know, uh, uh, any, um, you know, uh, goalies or touchdowns or out of the parks they had. But I can tell you that I, uh, they were a cultural phenomenon and that as a child, it was just one of those sports teams that you just loved. I mean, everybody loved the Chicago Bulls. Like, there was nobody that was like, oh, I'm not really a big Bulls fan. Not really big on Michael Jordan. Like, everybody loved Michael Jordan. I had posters of Michael Jordan in my room next to my Spice Girls photos. <laughs> Didn't we all, boys? Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Um, let me go ahead and take a sip of tap water first. I'm, like, using these ice cubes on my tap water now, by the way. They're plastic, um, and they just, they're unsavory. They collect the taste of the freezer, and then you dump them in your water, and it's almost, it feels like a bunch of shit from the freezer is, like, floating off of them into your water. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am physically. Um, you guys, Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman met sometime in 1998, and they got married the same year. Carmen filed for divorce in November of the same year, and... Um, yeah, they, they basically dated, got married and divorced in less than a year. And yeah, when it came to uh, their sort of introduction to one another, Carmen herself was in a really, really dark place in her life when she met Dennis. And, you know, she said in interviews and stuff that, you know, he does kind of represent that period of her life where she was, um, just depressed and unhappy and, you know, in a really, uh, and just, just not in a good place. Um, and obviously because I'm a gentleman and your boy believes in chivalry, just kidding. Chivalry is fully dead. Girls get with it. Um, I'm going to start with Cameron. <laughs> I'm not even going to correct myself. That's the kind of podcast this is, by the way. So starting with, um, Cameron Electra. Uh, who, by the way, was born Tara Lee Patrick. She grew up in Sharon, Sharonville, Ohio, which, um, as a Ohioan, I've never heard of, Sh- of Sharonville. Uh, I would assume that it's somewhere Southern. It sounds, Sh- Sharonville sounds like a Southerner named it. And, um, yeah, I don't know, but her dad was a guitarist. Her mom was a singer. Uh, she's one of six siblings and Carmen actually went to, the very famous school for creative and performing arts in Cincinnati, which uh, also Smushroom Prince Nick Lachey attended. And uh, they actually, uh, actually, I've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure in the, obviously it would have been, I guess, the Newlyweds episode. But um, Nick Lachey actually produced a reality show on MTV for the school called, like, Taking the Stage or, uh, I don't know, something like that. I'm pretty sure it was called Taking the Stage about, like, all the talented kids that go to the school and, like, what they do after. Um, and it was actually really fucking good. But Carmen actually appeared in a, uh, a state, the stage production of Peter Pan with Nick when, uh, I believe she was, I want to say she was a senior when he was, like, a freshman or a junior. Um, and after high school, she attended and graduated from Barbizon Modeling School, which, by the way, is very triggering for your boy. I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago to Maria that um, my mom took me on a handful of Barbizon, uh, Barbizon casting calls and your boy was smizing and dimpling and giving that Shirley Temple fantasy. I wanted to be a Nickelodeon star. So um, 
my number one goal was for them to be like, hey, have you ever thought about like, you know, creating an album and becoming a pop star and being the lead in a Disney, you know, comedy show or whatever? Um, and then they'd be like, you're great. We love you. That'll be $48,000. And my, you know, 19-year-old mom would be like, are you out of your fucking mind? Unfortunately, this year you would not be able to model um, at eight. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, your girl, she attended Barbizon, and, uh, her first paid job was a, as an entertainer, um, she was a dancer at King's Island in 1991, and then she moved to Minneapolis, and that's where she was introduced to Prince. You may have heard of him. Very underground, again, underground, um, sort of a niche pop star, had a couple hits, Carmen was actually auditioning for a girl group uh, that Prince was going to sign to his label. And uh, for one of their auditions, he randomly showed up and um, she ended up not getting that gig. But Prince, you know, contacted a bunch of people to figure out how he, he could get in contact with her and was like, you know, I love you. Um, at the time, she was living out of her suitcase at a Holiday Inn in Glendale. Shout out, Molly. And, um, yeah, he offered her a solo career that basically changed her life, uh, forever. Um, she actually told the New York Times in 2018, basically he said, well, I want to sign you to Paisley Park Records, but you have to come to Minneapolis and your flight is leaving at 7 a.m. I remember landing in Minneapolis to a purple limousine and, did I just say limousine? And it was just so strange taking such a chance. It just seemed like a dream or something. It just wasn't real. Um, Prince changed her name to Carmen Electra and helped her come up with what would be her sort of signature look in the 90s. Uh, she had these, you know, Priscilla Presley inspired uh, eyelashes and eyeliner, very like sort of Lana Del Rey. Um, she would wear a corset, tiny little like hot pants and um, like a long cashmere coat and strappy heels, which like a very specific a very head-to-toe, very specific signature look, like hot pants, heels, a cashmere floor-length coat, and a corset. Like, okay. Um, he also advised her to uh, keep her hair dark because it was the thing that would kind of separate her from, you know, what was considered, like, the chic look at the time, which was, you know, giant white teased-to-shit hair, a frosted pink lip, you know, tan uh you know like a pam anderson look you know and carmen was like the exception she was always very dark she had dark skin dark features and then those super bright crystal blue eyes like she had a very uh specific look and uh prince signed carmen to his record label he helped produce her first album and um she sent him a bunch of demos that he (laughs) hated uh i guess these were demos that she was working on before she was uh brought to paisley park He literally told her, um, he told her that her demos would be great as coasters, um, and nothing more because they were so terrible. And she said, he'd call you out if you were, if you hit a wrong note, he'd bark, arf, arf, you know what I mean? And I was just like, ah, don't make me cry. I'm trying my best here. But that was the genius about him. He had that. And I'm forever grateful because honestly, I learned so much from him and it just gave me a little boost of confidence to push. And, I mean, that was really the beginning of getting over my a lot of my fears. 
Um, Prince actually ended up taking Carmen out on tour as his opening act. And, uh, yeah, they started dating, obviously, while she was out on tour with him. They had a very iconically sexual relationship. Um, According to Carmen, Prince had a small penis, which, like, you know, I don't think that you look to Prince to be, like, banged out. You know what I mean? Like, you don't look to Prince to have, like, this big fucking giant dick experience. You look to Prince to have, like, a weird, um, like, weirdly passionate sexual experience that involves, like, weird things. Like, hot, hot wax. You know what I mean? Like, I picture sex with Prince to be, um, just... Per- perfectly strange um but yeah she 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 did say in a few interviews that there were there was there were things left um left to be desired your girl never orgasmed it's fine um <laughs> uh carmen also at the time felt that she was like too young to be in such an intense relationship they they had formed this really intense bond and you know he was sort of weirdly dependent on her at this time like emotionally and she was a young girl um so she secretly started dating this guy that was her age behind prince's back and prince very famously wrote a song about her on his gold experience album called i hate you now look if it's really about her who knows (laughs) it's a song about a girl that he's in a relationship who um is not faithful and uh he talks about wishing he'd be be able to quit her and um how much he can't stand her and how much he hates that he thinks about her um by the way i is spelled e-y-e in case you were looking to download it on itunes prince you are welcome um and Carmen said, I understood where he was coming from. I think, uh, she said, I think some people didn't really understand it. He was a very private person, so I would never tell anything or talk about anything that was deeply private when it involves him. But in this case, where everyone knows he wrote I Hate You About Me, I'll just say this. I was young and naive, and we were together, and I found some things, and I found out some things, um, but really didn't know how to communicate them properly. So... Essentially, I'm assuming she found out that he was, like, you know, hooking up with other women, which, like, duh. I mean, come on, girl. Like, come on. He fucking plucked you out of Sharonville, Ohio. You think he's Prince is going to be faithful for you? Um, But, yeah. So, Carmen's dating this other guy. Prince is cheating on her. um, And he essentially gave her an ultimatum. He was like, you know, he told her, you can live under my roof as long as you live by my rules which is that you don't date other people and I can and I tell you what to wear or you can leave and try and tackle LA on your own. And guess what? Your girl chose to leave. She said that she chose to do it on her own. At the time, she felt like if this wasn't something that she could accomplish by herself, then she didn't feel like she maybe really deserved it at all. So yeah, Miss Independent. Miss, keep your distance. So your girl was out on her own in LA with no money. Prince kicked her out. Um, and then at the same time, her boyfriend, the guy that she cheated on Prince with, stole her life savings and left her, which was $5,000 at the time. And that resulted in her being homeless and counting change to survive. In a 2015 interview she did with the Review Journal, she said... I remember sitting on a park bench in the valley. 
I was crying because I was stranded and it was over 100 degrees. I was sitting there with a pocket knife and a pager and some change in my pocket, and I had really nice shoes on, really nice high heels. They were Versace because I had a few pieces of amazing clothes that I'd gotten along the way. And of course, big hair. I had teased hair and lashes on because I had my little makeup case with me as well. And I remember just crying and watching cars drive by and thinking I would do anything just to be able to get from here to there to go down the block. Um, I couldn't walk anymore. And uh, she ended up reaching out to Prince again after, you know, she became homeless and she begged him to kind of throw her a lifeline. She explained her situation to him and was like, look, I know that I cheated on you, but your girl is down and out and I need some help. Um, And he offered to hire her to work at his nightclub, Glam Slam. And uh, he made her one of the lead dancers in his erotic city show. Now... First of all, let me just say she was getting $100 a week and this experience, you know, it it put them on much equal, much more equal playing field, even though she was hired by him, you know, she wasn't like at this point anymore, she wasn't his muse and she wasn't like his little doll or his play toy. Um, You know, she was a girl who was a friend working for him at his nightclub. And after that, they became really good friends and they remained friends forever. Um... I also just want to point out, by the way, that, like, Glam Slam, first of all, just Google Google Prince's nightclub Glam Slam. It looks chic as fuck, and it's great. It had, like, his symbol out on the door, like, super cool. Um, but I just, I selfishly love that he named his nightclub Glam Slam because it's, like, one of my all-time favorite, favorite Prince songs. And it's from a, um, uh... That what the, what the hell is the name of that album where he's like naked on the cover? Hold on a second, I have to look it up. Or it's gonna drive me crazy. Okay, uh, love sexy. It's the one where he's like naked and he looks like a cherub, and he's like holding his breasts, um, and he's like on a lotus flower. Such a good album, so underrated. Um, there's a whole history behind that album. Maybe if we do like a Prince, ep- maybe we should do a Prince episode. Like, Prince and Apollonia or something. We should go on a full Prince journey. Like, why not? Um, but it's such a random song. And I, I didn't even know that... Like, I actually didn't know that Prince had a nightclub because it was a little bit before me time. Um, and then when I found out that his nightclub was the name of my favorite Prince song, I died. Um, but yeah, I mean, Glam Slam was, like, a destination hotspot in the 90s. Like, And I had no idea. Your boy was out of the loop. Um... But at the time, Cameron also suffered uh, from dance injuries. She injured herself a bunch of times when she was doing ballet as a little girl. And then performing at Glam Slam, um, (laughs) that was just, it was too many L's. At Glam Slam required her uh, to thrash her body around a bunch. So she had all these like spinal injuries and foot injuries. Like your girl was just recently homeless in a beat-up mess. Also, by the way, she's homeless and walking the streets in Versace heels. Like, that's just, that's problematic on its own. Um, so Carmen reached out to uh, the choreographer of her Erotic City dance number at Glam Slam, um, who then introduced her to a publicist, and then that, you know, resulted in her getting a manager. And, um, yeah, they would drive her to auditions because she didn't have, obviously didn't have a car, And she started being able to, like, pick up work and, like, get paid gigs and save money and acquire somewhere to live. Um, 
she started appearing in television shows and she ended up in uh her first playboy pictorial in 1996 um her playboy pictorial led to her being cast as um lonnie mckenzie is it lonnie or lanny i'm gonna say lonnie in baywatch um for one season and uh as the replacement co-host for Singled Out on MTV um, during its final season. And one of the things that I've found the most interesting about Carmen Electra's career is that she's obviously super accomplished and she's been in the industry for literally like 30 years. Um, Her resume is jam-packed full of just craziness. Like, she has done so much stuff. But during her peak as you know i mean i guess during the peak of her career is like this this like sex symbol raven haired beauty you know and during the peak of her career as like an actor before she became known as a reality tv star um she was sort of known as like the replacement girl like she was cast on baywatch during its sort of slope and popularity it was during a time when the show wasn't as popular as it was and Pam had already claimed the show as, like, her own. Um, so when Carmen was on the show, it wasn't, like, something... It's never going to be known as Carmen's show. And she'll never be known as, like, a Baywatch star, even though she was on it. Um, you know, and then she was brought on to Singled Out after Jenny decided she didn't want to be on the show anymore on its last season when the show was basically done. I mean, it was, like... I mean, by the way, did you guys watch Singled Out? Like, can we talk for a second? So to prepare for this episode, I had to go back. I didn't have to, but, you know, your boy, it's my due diligence or whatever. I went on YouTube and I watched a bunch of episodes of Singled Out. And girl, oh my God. Talk about like, I mean, I can't believe that that show was like the phenomenon that it was because it's literally so fucking stupid. And the, 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 the contestants on the show are horrendous. The men are horrifying. They all look like, all of the men on Singled Out look like that scene in Clueless where Cher is describing, like, what's wrong with the boys of her generation and why she wants to date older. It, it's just, like, braids, like, like white guys with, like, um, like Liberty braids, like, sticking up all over the place with, like, Jinko jeans and chains everywhere. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, you remember those um, those towel material shirts? Those, like, towel, bath towel, like, club shirts that guys would wear? Ugh, just a nightmare. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I found that really interesting about Carmen, that she was always brought in as, like, the replacement hot girl. Or, like, this show isn't doing well, and nobody wants to be on it anymore. Like, Carmen Electra, will you do it? And she was always the girl that would say yes. Um, she had also been hired by several networks to host, like, red carpet events and award shows and events and stuff, and, you know, this was during that time in the 90s when women like Carmen Electra, you know, ironically looked up to girls like Jenny McCarthy in the sense that, you know, she was blazing this sort of goofball, loudmouth, gross, but hot trail of her own, And, you know, as weird as it sounds, like, it did open up another lane for girls who were hot, but also had, like, big personalities. Like, they were hot and could host gigs and do red carpet stuff, and and they were in Playboy and whatever. But they also had, like, you know, like, fart humor, and they were funny and, like, wacky and goofy and would make funny faces. And, um, 
you know, I think, again, I think Jenny McCarthy is another person that we need to talk about in this podcast because, you know, she doesn't really get any credit. Jenny doesn't get any credit for her accomplishments really in the 90s and like how impactful she was as far as like, like I said, just like hot goofball girls. Like, I mean, to see a girl who looked like Jenny McCarthy do like fart jokes or like pretend to pick her butt and like smell it or you remember her candies ad where she's like sitting on the toilet and pooping like that was i mean it's ridiculous but it's like that was like kind of groundbreaking in the 90s um and yeah carmen actually she regularly became featured on the worst dress list which you know she became a tabloid fixture because of her clothes and uh she would take money out of her like very modest checking account to have like a tacky custom dress made so that she would stand out on the red carpet. So, you know, in a sea of like black, simple strappy gowns, like your girl Carmen was in a very like Romeo and Michelle look. Um, and these are all outfits, by the way, that she herself says like she made famous before the Kardashians, which is very true. Like, a lot of the shit that Carmen Electra wore in the 90s, if Kylie was wearing it right now, Fashion Nova would have a mock version of it within hours. I'm not even kidding. Can we talk about that, by the way, how weird that is, that Kylie Jenner could literally walk outside wearing, like, garbage bags stapled to her skin, and Fashion Nova would have a garbage bag look within minutes that cost $20? Um... But yeah, so that was your girl Carmen up to this point. A replacement hot, raven-haired, frosted-lipped, thin-eyebrowed beauty who got her name from Prince. And I feel like that also wasn't, like, a, a big enough deal that, like, Prince discovered this girl and gave her a career and kind of um, set her out on her way. And i just think it's really admirable that like you know there's this strange world version of carmen's life where prince actually you know where she stayed with him and she stayed under his thumb and she lived at paisley park and you know like continued just like doing whatever he wanted her to do um you know we definitely would not have had any of like the carmen moments in the 90s that we have that we've been so lucky to be graced with i mean like we probably wouldn't have even seen her in Scary Movie, which is, uh, you know, it's iconic. Um, you guys, we have to talk about Dennis Rodman. <laughs> now, look, this is going to be complicated because, you know, your boy doesn't know foosball scores and things like that. You know what I mean? And I don't claim to. I'd say all the time that you're, you're listening to the wrong podcast if you think that I'm about to rattle off a bunch of Bull, Chicago Bulls stats from 1994 like that's just it will never be the case on this podcast i'm sorry but um there is a lot a lot, 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 lot to be said about dennis rodman including the fact that madonna was desperate to get pregnant by him that's something that we're definitely going to need to talk about because it's triggering for me it's it's a lot um you guys dennis was uh he's from trenton new jersey his dad was in the Air Force and fought in Vietnam. And uh, when he was young, his dad abandoned his family and moved to the Philippines. And there was some discrepancy on the internet as far as how many siblings Dennis Rodman has. But in interviews, he has said that it is around the 46 range. Can we talk? He doesn't know exactly how many siblings he has, but he's fairly certain that it's somewhere around... 46 people 
Um, Dennis has never really had a relationship with his dad. They reunited in 2012, um, but he hadn't, you know, he hadn't seen him prior to that in 30 years. And his mom, when he was young, worked four jobs at the same time to kind of try and make ends meet. So Dennis is somebody who was forced to grow up very fast. And, you know, even though he grew up, you know, super attached to his mom, um, she didn't really have the same sort of admiration for him that he had for her. And she very openly loved his older sisters. He had two older sisters that he was actually really close to as a kid. And his mom very unapologetically loved his older sisters more than him. She was open about it. And, you know, they all played basketball, but his sisters were um, being groomed to be like actual professional athletes. Uh, whereas Dennis wasn't really that good at basketball. He was short. He wasn't tall yet. And um, she would tell him all the time, like, you would make me so much more proud if you were as good as your sisters. Um, and they, his sisters did grow up. They, I mean, they obviously all grew up to play professional basketball. His sisters both played on a professional team. Mm-hmm. But it's just like there's a lot of irony that he ended up going on to play in one of the most iconic basketball teams in American history. Um, in high school, Dennis was a bench player. Um, and he was looked down on. Like I said, your, your boy was 5'6". Um, he wasn't good at basketball. He was skinny. Um, he failed to make the football team. And uh, a few years later, while he was working as a janitor at the Dallas airport, he realized that he had grown several inches overnight and randomly had become this gargantuan and decided that it would be a good time to try out again. Um, so he was drafted to the Pistons. They won 53 53 games that year. They were entered into the playoffs. And Dennis made headlines for the first time during this time in his life because he had claimed that Larry Bird was an overrated player and that the only reason people liked him was because he was black or because he was white and that um, black players get looked over all the time, even though they're better than people like Larry Bird because they're black. Dennis was called a racist by all these news publications, and his response was that he he couldn't be racist because his girlfriend was white, and he liked fucking white girls, so he wasn't a racist. And, um, again, like I said, I, I mean, before you even get too excited, because I know that there's a lot of foosball fans listening to this right now, like, we are not spouting off, um scores for the chicago bulls like it's just it's not going to happen but of course we're going to talk about them you guys i hate to cut you off but at this point i think you know the drill you've got to be a patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode so go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos at that point you will uh be asked to donate and then when you donate at this level you'll get this podcast you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week you'll get liz bentley's feathers in my hair which is the teen mom podcast um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.